Hello everyone and welcome to Multidisciplinary Dialogue, Clinical Rounds, and Case Reviews with your host, Dr. Anil Harrison, who is the Associate Program Director for the Internal Medicine Residency Program and the Ambulatory Care Director at Toro University and St. Joseph's Medical Center, Dignity Health in Stockton, California. Today we have a case review that Dr. Harrison and Dr. Paul Shu will analyze and provide treatment insights. Dr. Shu is a second-year internal medicine resident at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Stockton, California. In this episode, we'll discuss a patient with methanol toxicity and a patient with salicylate toxicity. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions or the views of Consultant 360. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another podcast on a long-standing series here on arterial blood gases. Last podcast, we recorded a single case. This podcast, you're in for a treat because it's a two-parter. And uh, I have here the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Harrison. Dr. Harrison, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, everyone. I'm doing well, Paul. Thank you. I saw this, uh, and Dr. Harrison, I need your help on this one as well. So I saw uh, an intoxicated male who was brought in with abdominal pain. His sodium was 140, a potassium of four, a chloride of 104, a bicarb of five, and a blood sugar of 100, BUN of 20, a creatinine of 1.2, and a serum osmolality of 317. Blood gases reveal a pH of 7.05, the partial pressure of carbon dioxide, 20, urine negative for ketones or calcium oxalate crystals. Is this high anagap metabolic acidosis, normal anagap metabolic acidosis, high anagap metabolic acidosis plus normal anagap metabolic acidosis, or is this a high anagap metabolic acidosis plus normal anagap metabolic acidosis plus respiratory alkalosis? Folks, it would have been easier if I just said nagma and hagma, but essentially we need to work out the, all the possible permutations. What acid-base disorder does this patient have? Dr. Harrison, would you lead us with this case, please? Sure. So, Paul, if, if you look at the pH, it confirms that the patient has acidemia. Mm. The next thing is, what is the PCO do, doing? Yes. And the PCO2 is also down. And whenever the pH and PCO2 move in the same direction, it signifies a metabolic issue. So this patient has metabolic acidosis. Because if you look at the serum bicarb, the bicarb is also low. So we confirm metabolic acidosis. Mm. The next thing is to calculate the anion gap to see if this is a high anion gap metabolic acidosis or a HAGMA. Right. Or is this an AGMA, which is a normal anion gap metabolic acidosis. Mm. So as you know, Paul, anion gap, which is sodium minus chloride minus bicarbonate, in our patient is 33, which is significantly elevated. And therefore, we're going to call it a HAGMA, or a high anion gap metabolic acidosis. The next thing to do is to see if there is an osmolar gap. Measured serum osmolality is 317, whereas when the two of us calculated, the calculated serum osmolality, which is two times sodium plus BUN divided by 2.8 plus the blood sugar divided by 18, comes to about 290. So there is a significant osmolar gap of 27, which is abnormal. Oh, absolutely. Significantly so. Mm -hmm. If I recall correctly, anything above 10 constitutes an osmolar gap. Is that right, Dr. Harrison? Absolutely correct. All right, guys. So, so far, so far, our patient has a high-end gap, metabolic acidosis, and an osmolar gap signifying it's either methanol or ethylene glycol. You're absolutely correct, Paul. Mm. 
The next thing to do is to calculate the delta gap, which is the patient's anion gap minus 12. And the patient's anion gap is 33. And if you take away 12, it equals 21. So the delta gap is 21. As you remember, Paul, the next thing we do is to calculate what would be the expected bicarbonate. The expected bicarbonate equals 25 minus the delta gap. 25 minus 21 in our case equals four, which is approximately the same as the patient's bicarb of five. How about that? The math all works out, folks. So if the actual bicarb of the patient was more than the expected bicarb, this will signify a metabolic alkalosis. Mm -hmm. If the patient's bicarb was lower than the expected bicarb, this will signify a normal and gap metabolic acidosis in addition. You're absolutely right, Paul. Great job. Mm. So the next thing to do is let us look at the PCO2. The expected PCO2 would be 15 plus the patient's serum bicarb. This equals 20, which is the same as the PCO2 noted on the blood gas. Hence, there is a respiratory compensation. Ah, so if the patient's PCO2 were more than the expected PCO2, this would signify a respiratory acidosis in addition. Mm -hmm. And then if on the other hand, the patient's PCO2 is lower than the expected PCO2, this will signify that the patient is blowing out excess CO2 and hence has respiratory alkalosis. Excellent, Paul. You know, now that I think about it, once upon a time when I was just a wee child, I remember when people are having these, uh, you know, uh, anxiety attacks and they're hyperventilating, mm -hmm. that's blowing off excess CO2. Absolutely. I also recall, Dr. Harrison. Somebody put a bag over your mouth? Well, over my head, actually. But <laughs> there you go, folks. Okay. Uh, yes, it was a brown paper bag. Yeah. 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 You know, and our patient's fundus exam, I look at that, Paul, shows, you know, optic disc edema and hyperemia, which is suggestive of methanol intoxication. Oh boy. This is for all you uh, listeners out there who are not on a YouTube channel, which you should check out because there is a, a entire half of the presentation that you're missing on the video of the audiovisual presentation. What we have here is a, a picture of what uh, papilledema essentially looks like. You have optic disc blurring, mm -hmm. uh, and we won't go into specifics because I feel like uh, this is a subject in and of itself but you essentially have this progressive swelling of the optic disc with blurring of the margins. And you will see the obscure, obscuring the, the vessels which supply the retina. It's very characteristic, and especially in methanol poisoning. And one of the sequelae of optic disc uh, edema is blindness. Is Absolutely. Absolutely. And you must have read of, uh, you know, people, you know, who gather and, you know, supposedly having regular alcohol, but it's mm. actually methanol. And in Groves and groves, they get, you know, they go blind because of methanol intoxication. So, Dr. Harrison, this was, we had so much fun with one case. Why don't we do one more? Absolutely. Okay. Game on. All righty. So, I also saw an 85 year old mm -hmm. with arthritis coming in with shortness of breath. Okay. Cardiopulmonary workup was negative, mm -hmm. except for an ABG, which revealed a pH of 7.27, a PCO2 of 20 lactate, which was normal, and a serum osmolality of 293, sodium 140, potassium 4, chloride of 104, a bicarb of 13, and a blood sugar of 120, BUN of 15. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is a methanol toxicity, isopropyl alcohol toxicity, ethylene glycol toxicity, diabetic ketoacidosis, 
for salicylic toxicity? So the pH reveals that the patient has acidemia. Hmm. The next, next thing is you see what really is PCO2 doing? When the PCO2 is moving in the same direction as the pH, it represents a metabolic cause as in this case. And if you look at the bicarb, which is 13, it confirms that our patient has a metabolic acidosis. Mm. So taking a step further here, we also see that the anion gap, which is sodium minus chloride minus sodium bicarbonate. In our patient, the anion gap is 23. Correct. Confirming that this patient has a high anion gap metabolic acidosis, otherwise known as HAGMA. Excellent. Uh, we're, we're picking up some steam here, Dr. Harrison. So the next step is to check for an osmolar gap. There is no osmolar gap in this case, because when you calculate the osmolar gap, it's less than 10. Hence, methanol and ethylene glycol toxicity are unlikely. Excellent. Great job, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. So our patient who has a HAGMA with no osmolar gap, the next step would be to check the delta gap, which is the patient's anion gap of 23 minus 12. So the delta gap is 11. Once the delta gap has been calculated, one must calculate what should the expected bicarbonate be, which is 25 minus the delta anion gap. 25 minus 11 is 14. In our patient, the expected bicarbonate is therefore 14, which is close to the actual bicarbonate of 15. Huh. So if the actual bicarb were significantly lower than the expected bicarb, there would have been an additional non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. True. NAGMA. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if the patient's bicarb were significantly higher than the expected bicarb, this would represent a metabolic alkalosis in addition to a HAGMA, which our patient has. Perfect. Awesome, Paul. The next step is to calculate the expected PCO2, which is the patient's bicarb plus 15. The patient's bicarb is 13. And if you add 15, it equals 28. So the actual PCO2 is significantly lower than the expected or calculated PCO2. Hence, the patient has a respiratory alkalosis. You are correct. Mm. So our patient has a HAGMA and in addition, a respiratory alkalosis. And I think it possibly possibly could be a secondary to salicylate use for arthritis. That's great detective work. This, this Everything slots in perfectly. And this is all because we follow a systematic way to approaching acid base. And folks, initially it seems daunting because you have all these steps, but when you do it systematically, you don't miss anything. Just like when you're reading a chest x-ray. Absolutely. Once again, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in for yet another podcast. We have a few more cases in our acid base series. Is that, is that right, Dr. Harrison? Absolutely. I would say another maybe three or four. Thank you so much for your support, all you loyal listeners. And even if you were disloyal listeners, I hope you come back. Thank you for coming back. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dr. Harrison.